You are listening to a sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com slash sermons. Good morning once again. We want to welcome everybody here. We appreciate your presence so much. Any visitors we might have, we welcome you to come back every chance you have. We meet again. Wednesday at 7 p.m. for our Bible study. I'd like to thank a few people before I get started. I thank Bobby for letting me use her computer today. First time I've ever did a presentation from an Apple computer. And uh, so that was a big step for me. Also, I appreciate Jay helping me getting it set up. I don't like the colors, and that's, uh, I don't think I'll change them, but uh, sorry about the picture. Uh, it's not as good as I would like it to be, but we'll, uh, we're working on that, and we'll do better. Also appreciate Ben leading songs for me. He uh, uh, had to do that with short notice, and uh, he uh, did a good job for us, as he always, always does for us here. Also, I wanted to start out uh, encouraging others to give this a try. There's a sign-up uh, bulletin board on the back. And uh, you can uh, sign up for uh, if you'd like to do this sometime. Uh, we'd like to hear from you also. I uh, like to do it, and uh, I like to uh, read from the gospel. I'm here in Second uh, Timothy chapter 3. All scripture is God-read, the Bible tells us, and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Our lesson this morning is uh, <clears throat> titled The Patience of Job, and we'll be turning to James chapter 5 to get to start this lesson off. This is a story I told at the, at the uh, Maria Court not too long ago with three ladies sitting in the lunchroom. I was covering for Jay on a Bible study while he was out of town, and I just made it into a sermon, and uh, the... Uh, uh, I think it was two Methodists I was sitting with. They quoted uh, James 5 before I got much further, what too far into the lesson. Kind of stole my thunder, so I put the verse right here at front. So nobody can steal my thunder in James chapter 5. But the brother of our Lord Christ, James, wrote about Job centuries later. He says, as you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have been <clears throat> and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. So that should direct us all to this great book in the Old Testament. Uh, this title after the man it's written about there uh, in uh, uh, Job. And I hear that uh, from our uh, many scholars that Job might be one of the oldest books ever written in the Bible, even though it's in the middle of the Old Testament. Very old story, and it starts with this very remarkable gathering. It's, uh, the Lord tells us in the book of Job that there's people coming together here, angels gathering together. What's kind of remarkable about it, as they were presenting themselves to the Lord, uh, uh, all of a sudden Satan comes wandering up. Job chapter 1 and verse 6, One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, 
And Satan also came with them. Well, that would kind of uh, mess up the meeting, wouldn't it? <laughs> Here you're going to meet the angels, and all of a sudden Satan comes sauntering up. Well, God asked him, he said, what's you up to? What, where have you been? Satan answered from roaming through the earth, back and forth uh, in it. Lord Satan, and then uh, the Lord talked to, asked Satan a question. Have you heard about my guy Job? There in verse 8. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? Is there no one on earth like him? He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Well, Satan replies, with a pretty clever remark, I thought. He says, uh, well, does Job fear God for nothing? He asks the question. <clears throat> Have you not put a hedge around him and his household? Everything he has, you have blessed the work of his hands. So that his flocks and herds spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has. And he will surely curse you to your face. That's quite a challenge, isn't it? Hear God talking to Satan. And these angels, <laughs> hearing all this was going on. Lord said to Satan, verse 12, he said, very well then. Everything he has is in your hands, but on the man himself, do not lay a finger. <clears throat> well, the bad part of the story begins here in chapter 1, and it's considered the first test for Job. There, everything was lost, but he was not harmed. Lost his servants. A group of Sabians come down and raided him. Then some fire from heaven got all his livestock. And then his sons and daughters were gathered at the oldest son's house for some celebration. Wind came up, knocked down the house. All his sons and daughters were taken from this, from him. And we read as we continue in this sad story, that everything was taken away. <clears throat> well, we read in this sad story that in verse 22 of chapter 1, and all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Well, that's the first test we have in Job chapter 1. Well, we have a second test. I don't know how much time had passed, but uh, not too much time, I wouldn't think. All of a sudden, we come up with another test because we have another gathering. Job chapter 2, they're reading in verse 1. On another day, <coughs> the angels... Came to present themselves before the Lord. Satan also came with them to present himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Same answer, from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. You know what? I think if we ask Satan that same question, I think he'd say the same thing. Verse 3 Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless, upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And he still maintains his integrity. Though you incited me against him to ruin him without reason. Wasn't that an amazing statement? Just consider Job for a minute. The Lord himself is telling us these compliments concerning Job. He's bragging about Job, his servant in front of Satan and the angels. That's just remarkable in himself. 
Well, Satan's never won for lack of reply. As we go on, verse 4, chapter 2, Satan comes up with another test. He says, skin for skin. A man will give all he has for his own life, but stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. I know many of us have had those tests in our lives also where you're physically harmed and uh, it's a terrible test to put up with. Your health is everything. You realize how all the worries of this life really don't compare as long as you have good health. Well, here's Job being struck again. And uh, uh, this time it's affecting his very health. Well, as the story goes, uh, that surely did happen to him. It says Satan was able to afflict him with sores so severe that uh, uh, he had sores from the sole of his feet to the top of his head. It says in verses 7 and 8 of Job chapter 2 that Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes for some relief. Then at the end of chapter 2, towards the end of chapter 2, his wife comes up to him and says, Are you still holding your integrity, verse 9? Curse God and die. Job responds again in a remarkable way. Verse 10, he replied, You are all talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept God from good from God and not trouble? And all this, Job did not sin in what he said. Well, the book continues on. His three friends show up and his wife has a few more comments for him. And there's lots of good lessons throughout this. But for our purposes today, we're going to just quote a few of these verses as we study Job. And then we'll spend a little more, more time in the very last chapter there in chapter 42. I wanted to glean some lessons on just what we have so far in this remarkable man, Job. And maybe we can take these lessons and apply them to our lives and help us to improve and become strong as Job is. But what a thing, what a man to have to compare yourself to. Job and all his uh, uh, commitments that God says about him. One thing I noticed in studying Job had to do with his awe of God. Of course, this was centuries ago, but Job continually expressed how impressed he was with his creator. We too need to be awe of God, and we need to hold him in the highest of esteem. And that's going to help us to grow and become closer to God, help us to be more effective in his kingdom. Turn first to Job chapter 12. There I want to start reading about verse 7. Job talking about how awesome his creator is. Job says, Ask the animals, and they will teach you. Or the birds of the air, and they will tell you. Or speak to the earth, and it will teach you. Or let the fish of the sea inform you. Which of all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this. In his hand is the life of every creature 
and the breath of all mankind. You know, we sometimes might take nature for granted. So I know some people living in cities and such really have no thought of all about this awesome creation we have about us. So <clears throat> I know this time of year, I'm always impressed with the garden, all the work that it is, but also all the great things that can happen out there. I'm always impressed with the trees as they come back to life in the springtime and start bearing their leaves again. Job, too, was impressed with that. We have an awesome creator. We need to keep that in our center of our heart as we live this life. Also in Job chapter 37, he's speaking again. He says, listen to this, Job. Stop and consider God's wonders. Do you know how God controls the clouds and makes his lightning flash? Do you know how the clouds hang poised? These wonders of him who is perfect in knowledge. Job 37, verses 14 through 16. Lots of verses throughout the Bible and Psalms and Proverbs talking about the awesomeness of God's creation. I love quoting verses about the constellations above us, and you can go out tonight if the clouds aren't there and see Orion and some of the great constellations up in the sky and marvel about the universe and the great creation. <clears throat> went through college, ended up being a psychology major, liberal arts major, but my favorite class in the whole thing was an astronomy class I took from Dr. Alexander. And that really impressed me. Impressed me in a religious way. Maybe something he wasn't intending to do, but the universe is an awesome thing. There in Psalms 19 and verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the work of his hand. And you can witness that every day and also understand the awesomeness of God, the glory of God. Well, Job was in awe of God. Even in the midst of all the tribulation that we read about, all the curses that were put upon him, he never lost that. Never lost the glory and the awesomeness he thought about God and his creation. <clears throat> Also there in Romans chapter 1, reading in verse 20, For since the creation of the, world, of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. And you too are without no excuse. The God's made his glory plain to us. We just need to recognize that and appreciate that. Also, I noticed throughout these many chapters of Job how constant Job was in prayer, even under this great tribulation. Of course, we as Christians know we need to be prayers, and we need to uh, continually pray without ceasing, as the Bible tells us to do. There in 2 Thessalonians 5, there in verse 17, it says, Be joyous, joyful always, pray continually, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We looked at some of Job's prayers throughout this uh, book, and I have to admit some of them sounded a little petulant at times. Can't blame Job. I know you don't blame him either. We'll read some of those. You know, in chapter 1, 
when his first test came about, and he lost all that he had in terms of possession and family. There, at the end of that chapter, Job's prayer is this, verse one, chapter 1, verse 21. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Job 1 and 21. Another petulant remark comes in Job chapter 3 after his second test now. After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. He said, may the day of my birth perish. And the night it was said a boy is born, that day may it turn to darkness. May God above not care about it. May no light shine upon it. Job's pretty depressed now, isn't he? He's pretty down, talking about the despair that he finds himself in in this life. Also in Job chapter 7, I can kind of relate to this because my mother had a weaving uh, mill, what do you call those, loom at one time. And I remember that shuttle that she would throw under between the strands of thread. There Job's talking about his life. He says, my days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. And they come to an end without hope. Job was a little depressed here as he saw these circumstances. As we continue reading, we see that Job's kind of coming around a little bit in his prayer. Job in the last chapter, verse 40, chapter 42, verse 1, he says, I know that you can do all things, praying to God. No plan of yours can be thwarted. Christians today need to be encouraged to pray also. I'm not talking to you as much as I'm talking to myself. That's something we need to be religious in, is our prayer life. We can't have a relationship with God if we're not talking to him. Isn't that right? can't have a relationship with anybody if you're not talking to them. That's what's so special about prayer. This avenue that we can communicate with our creator through Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 7 <clears throat> encourages us to pray. It says there, ask and it will be given to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. But we're encouraged to pray as Christians. We should take this example of Job as an example for us and take it to heart. He continued to pray even when times were tough. Well, speaking of tough times, these hard times that Job had tested him. And they helped him to grow, become stronger in the faith. It's a hard thing to do. But you've learned that in your life, haven't you? You know that hard times help you if you get through them in good shape. And they help you when something else comes along. They also help you when you're helping someone else. Because you've been through hard times before. And you can maybe help them see that light at the end of the tunnel. Job chapter 13. There we're reading in verse 9. He's talking about this. <clears throat> he's wanting us to consider this. Centuries. Later, would it turn out well if he examined you? Job was asking his friends. Could you deceive him as you might deceive men? 
So Job wants you to ask that question to yourself. How would it turn out if God examined you? Skipping ahead to Job chapter 23, here he talks about his endurance and how this testing has made him strong. There Job says, but he knows the way that I take when he has tested me. I will come forth as gold. See some confidence there in Job, don't you? He knows he's being tested. He knows he can endure that testing. He says he'll be come forth as gold. My feet have closely followed his steps. I have kept to his way without turning aside. I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. We can see why God has bragging so much about Job. You can see that in this verse in chapter 23 and verse 10, how he's going to stay on that straight path, how he's not going to turn aside, and how everything he knows that he should do, he's going to do, regardless of what happens to him. Hard times tested Job, and he was doing well. You know, through this whole thing, many of you think it might have been unfair, and I don't know all the reasons why God allowed this to happen to Job. I know one of the reasons. He wanted us to learn a lesson from it, and that's what we're getting today. We know that God is in control. It made me think of those passages in Luke where Jesus was talking about Simon. And uh, Simon, and devil was after him. He's after all those disciples, especially there at the start of the Christian faith. But here in Luke 22, Jesus is speaking. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan had asked to sift you as wheat. But I had prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. God's always in control. He didn't let Satan have Simon. He had other plans for him. As he has other plans for you also. James chapter 1, there in verse 3, consider it pure joy. That's hard to do. But consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance or develops patience. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's why we're tested. Become stronger. Be stronger examples to others. Stronger witnesses for Jesus Christ also. Well, we'll go ahead and get to the storybook ending of Job's story. Here in Job chapter 42 the last chapter. There, uh, Job uh, <coughs> is about to get some reprieve. After these long conversations with his not very helpful friends <coughs> and his wife, things are starting to change for him. Job chapter 42, verse 6, talks about his uh, 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 situation. First, it says that Job repented in dust and ashes as we read that. And then we have what my Bible is titled an epilogue, or the end of the story. Job 42, beginning about verse 10, 
after Job had prayed for his friends, and uh, we know why that happened, the Lord made him prosperous again and gave him twice as much as he had before. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the first. Well, I didn't list for you everything he had that was lost, but this at the end of his life is what the Lord restored for him. And this is a lot. I guess somebody's probably put a mon monetary value on this. It starts out with 14,000 sheep. I asked my son to consider that. He's got 20 or so. 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen. So I guess you take that times two. I don't know how, how, if they have more than one yoke, though. 1,000 donkeys and seven sons, and the Bible tells us three beautiful daughters, beautiful and all over the land. Job is also blessed with many more years of life. Lived another 140 years. And here's the best part. Job saw his children and their children to the fourth generation. That's a pretty good story there, isn't it? It's got a nice good ending for us, too. And we like that. We read in James how uh, patience is something we all develop in our life. And we've studied the great example we have of Job showing that in his life. But now I want you to consider something else. And that's the Lord's patience with us. With us. I said with you, but I've got to include myself. With us. There in Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, the gospel tells us the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. And prior for that, it asks us to consider time as God would. <clears throat> God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. That's a comforting verse. You know, he's wanting all of us to turn our lives around, to do more for him, to name Jesus Christ as your Savior. Read some more concerning how the Lord is patient with us. There in Romans chapter 10, reading in verse 17, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. That's what we endeavor to do every Lord's Day morning. We want to get the message of the gospel out to those who have chosen to gather here. We know that the more we get that faithful gospel message out, that their faith is going to grow. It tells us here, faith comes from hearing the message. That's why we're so eager to get the word of God out to others. Acts chapter 2, Peter giving that great sermon to all those who gathered to hear him. There he says, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. You know, that was sold centuries ago. Aren't we still struggling to save ourselves from such a corrupt generation? Those who accepted his message were baptized. About 3,000 I added to their number that day. I wanted to end this message with a verse that I've probably ended many a message with. 
That's Mark 16 and verse 16. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Simple verse, simple message, one that we all need to consider. This morning I want you to consider yourself. Maybe you've fallen away. Maybe you need to reinstate yourself as a Christian in good order, following the gospel message. Or maybe you're among this crowd of yet to be buried with Christ in baptism. We have all things are ready. Whatever your desire be, please come forward as together we stand and sing. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at mulvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.